0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
2: This is Tim Donaghy, and I'm about
0: to get technical
2: with Bonzi and Sheed.
0: Welcome, Tim Donahay, to the show today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I never Tim, thought I'd get a, get a clap from you guys. Man, uh, Yeah, you know, <laughs> hey, man. this, Hey, look, my whole thing is, hey, bygones, bygones. What happened ain't happening. You know, we're all different now. We're all grown and older men, so it ain't about us no more. It's about the family. You know what I mean? I appreciate that. Hey.
1: And, you know, also, Tim, it's also good that we're grown enough to sit back and talk about this and be able to lay everything out on the line, man, and, and learn from it, you know, and that's what the biggest thing we want to do. We want to learn from everything we went through so we can have some understanding because, you know, it's two sides to every coin and, you know, mm-hmm. you might not have understood what happened on the other side. So hopefully, we, like I said, we can get some understanding, man. And we really appreciate you coming through, man, and showing love. For sure. I know, I know you've been through a lot, man, and Let's just let's just talk, you know. Let's rap. Let's get technical, like we say. So, talk I appreciate. To us, man. You. Yeah. So, talk to us, man. What's been going on with you, man? What's been going on in your life, man? How's, how's life been treating you since you since you came out of jail? Talk to us.
2: Uh, you know, I've been real fortunate in that when I came out of jail, I had a great family and, and friends that supported me and uh, got me through that difficult time and the transition. And um, you know, I was able to recover. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, start. Getting involved in real estate and, and started to rebuild my life, and you know, again, I was fortunate to had great parents, brothers, uh, my children, and, and a you know small group of friends that really helped and supported me and uh, got me in a position where you know I am again successful. So, uh, not too many people get that second chance and that opportunity. So, you know, I'm making the most of it, and I'm, I'm really grateful about it.
0: Yeah. So, so now everything has happened in your life. You're trying to make a a whole new change, become a whole new different person. So when you go out in public, maybe with or without your family, um, no matter, you know, supermarket or to a restaurant, you know, whatever, just grab a beer or whatever. Do people mainly recognize you by name or by face, or it's just like you can mix in and and go with the breeze? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, People will look at me and,
2: and, uh, you know, notice that they they know me from somewhere and really can't put their their finger on it. But once they hear the name, uh, you know, they definitely, uh, you know, are able to think back and and remember where they know the name from. So uh, I've been fortunate in that. Uh, People have, uh, you know, never really given me a hard time and, uh, you know, understood that everybody makes mistakes. And uh, with that, uh, you know, they've been pretty uh, nice to me.
1: Oh, man, you... You're lucky. You're blessed. I am.
2: No <laughs> doubt about it. Now, now, if I lived in Portland, that may be a different
1: story. <laughs> you know how it goes. Sure. Well, well, let's get right into it, man. Let's talk about your book first. It's called Personal Foul, A First Person's Account of the Scandal that Rocked the NBA. What, what made you want to write a book? What made you want to really just come out and tell everything? You know, I think for me, I wanted really people to
2: understand what I did and how I did it and uh, throw it all out there and and let them know that I definitely made some mistakes. And uh, you know, with that being said, um, you know, uh, I wanted people to know that I was sorry for the poor choices that I made, because not only did those choices affect me, uh, but they affected the people that I love the most. And that's my, uh, you know, family and kids. So it was difficult uh, when your name and faces flashed across, uh, you know, the, the news stations all over the world for the most part. So was definitely an embarrassing and humbling experience for me uh but like we talked about before we got on air uh you know you live and you learn from it and uh to have two guys like you to you know even want to have me on your
0: podcast and discuss it is is you know pretty cool to me yeah so with with the whole thing that happened that went down right with the whole when it when it all broke what what were your first thoughts? What was going through your head? Take us take us through that day if you can. When you know you might have got that knock on the door, or I, I don't know, you could have been at the gas station, or I'm not sure exactly where you were, but when when they came to get you, take us take us through that day. What what were your thoughts? I was
2: actually just got a brand new set of ping irons, and I was on. The <laughs> right, let's go right,
0: getting let's ready go. to
2: tee it up, and I got a call from Tommy Martino who was one of the co-conspirators in the in the case and he said the FBI had been to his house uh, three times and uh, you know they, they were asking questions about me and I said Tom three times and you're just calling me now? So yeah. I, I literally got that um, you know feeling in my stomach like I was in a lot of trouble and I was that fish that they wanted so I and went to an attorney that I knew in the area and and he basically just told me to try and relax and keep my mouth shut. And uh, he'd start digging into some things. And, uh, you know, after about 20, 25 days, uh, I lost about 20 pounds from stress. Yeah. Went into his office one day and he actually called the United States attorney who was uh, on the case. And that guy just said flat out, you know, you tell Tim Donaghy, we know what he did. We know who he did it with. Uh, he's better off coming in and talking to us before we come get him. Because if we have to come get him, not only is he going to lose his job, but he's going to go to jail for a long, long time. So I thought it was in my best interest, yeah. you know, basically get on a plane and go to New York with the attorney and, and basically tell them what I did and, and how I did it. And, and uh, you know, from there, become a cooperating witness uh, for the government against uh, not only the, the fraud that the NBA was putting on to a certain extent, but, uh, you know, the people that were associated with the Gambino crime family out in New York.
1: Wow. Wow. And when you when you mentioned support, um you mentioned, you know, friends, family. When you say friends, was the NBA or NBA affiliates were your friend during that time or did they totally separate themselves from you and just kind of just leave you out there by yourself to kind of deal with the whole situation? From day one, they just dumped me. Everybody
2: dumped me. Uh my closest friends uh, as referees, the the NBA league office Everybody wanted to paint me as that one rogue referee because they felt that that was their best way of sweeping the scandal under the rug as quickly as possible. So mm-hmm. it was kind of really disheartening because immediately we got on the phone with David Stern and uh, said we'd like to come in and talk to him and tell him, you know, what we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted nothing to do with this. He, he literally uh, cut me off with the kneecaps right away and,
0: and I was out there on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, for for me, I specifically remember it happening. I was um I was happened to be on vacation. I was married at the time, and I happened to be on vacation with my wife. We were over in uh, uh Italy somewhere, and I remember getting a few missed calls from my uh, mother in law who were watching my kids back home at that time. Mm-hmm. So you know, I finally answered the phone like, "Hey, mom, what's up?" She was like, "Baby, I don't know what happened. What's <laughs> going on?" But it's Every news camera in the world is out there in front of the house. I said, what? I said, has anybody knocked on the door, you know, come past the gate or whatever? She said, no, they all on the outside of the gate. Nobody came up to the door. With them. I said, all right, well, as long as they don't come up to the door, don't worry about it. Everything's good. So she, I was like, okay, um, just, just relax and I'll look into it. So as soon as I hung up with her, like maybe five minutes after, uh, I got a call from uh, Joe D at the time. And he was like, man, she's like, uh, where you at? I said, man, I'm over here in the uh, other side of the world right now. He said, all right. He said, well, he said, she, they got him. I'm like, and I'm I'm confused. I'm like, they got him? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? He was like, remember you got into it with that referee? He's like, they got him. They got him on tape and this and that. I said, what? I said, oh, I started yelling. Oh, I was like, oh, shit. I said, you know, I, I felt at that time, I said, I felt a little vindicated and from from myself, I was like, yeah, from all the years, you know, I've been fucked with and this and that. Now, I'll let you know and I'll say this to you and to the people. Every technical foul that might, yourself or maybe some of the other guys might have called on me, everyone was not y'all. That I will say. You know, it was sometimes I threw a couple of MFs in there and you know, some <laughs> F-bombs and, you know, just talking yeah. junk. So, yeah. that I will say. I'll get that out there first, you know, but I, I kind of sort of felt a little vindication once 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 that uh, once I got that phone call with it. And after that, you know, he was like, uh, well, you know, when you come back home, everybody's going to want to talk to you and this and that. I said, look, I said, man, don't worry about it. I said, I'm going to do me. So just played it all to the left. And then I got bombarded with questions, you know, that fall, that following season. I was like, look, if y'all ain't really got nothing to say about the Pistons and, you know, what we doing now, blah, blah, blah. So just played a part with it to, you know, somewhat make the organization that I was playing for look good because I didn't want to look like a, a a crazed animal, you know, right. trying to just bash, 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 bash. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not about that all the time.
2: Right. And speaking of those technical fouls, you know, especially yes. with you, you know, depending on who was refereeing the game, if I was with a couple of my buddies, you know, we'd throw 20 bucks up on the table when we had a team like – uh, Portland and you, and we say the first one to bang she with technical foul gets you know the $60. So there are a lot of games that you know went on behind the scenes. When you say right. you deserved all those technicals, uh, you know, probably a couple of them were given out a little bit quicker than they were for the next guy because you know of a, a simple $20 bet in a locker room.
1: Wow, wow, and that's crazy that y'all was really doing that. <laughs> that's that's great, right. but but I, I get it, but. You know, y- y'all make it like it's a friendly bet, but do y'all, did y'all ever really ever think about the other side of it for us? Like, I mean, you mentioned just a moment ago how embarrassing it was for you that your, your, your picture was all on the paper. You were on every news outlet. They were just defiling you and your family name and just how embarrassing that was for you. But do you understand that was us all the time? From you know, when, that- you,
2: when I think back about what I did and how I was involved in a lot of this stuff, it, you know, not to be corny, but, you know, it breaks your heart to, to think that, you know, you were doing that stuff and, and, you know, there's no excuse for what I did. But when I came in, this, this is what the veterans were doing, That you know, a lot of the older guys. And you wanted to fit in and you wanted to be a part of the crowd. So, you know, a lot of these games that we were, you know, doing out on the floor and a lot of things that I was following – uh, was stuff that I shouldn't have been following. I mean, there were times that we would throw up $20, uh, you know, to see who could hold out the longest from calling a foul to start the game. So mm-hmm. if you called that first foul, you know, you lost that money and guys were getting, you know, slammed and hammered and nobody was blowing the whistle all over, you know, a simple $20 bet, you know, in, in an NBA game that was, uh, you know, being broadcast all over the world.
0: Yeah, it was, it's, it's crazy, man, you know, because for me, I know it, it cost me some money. It cost me, uh, for Absolutely. those who don't know, it cost me seven games. It was an incident between Tim and I that happened on a loading dock in Portland um, after the game when we story? played Memphis. <laughs> Can I tell the story? You know, who
1: who going to tell the story? <laughs> <laughs> listen, one of y'all got to tell the story. Walk Go ahead, man. What you got? I, listen, she walked the people through the story. So they can right. get, a, get a mental picture, and then I want to hear right, the real so, side of it. Tell them how you felt about it.
0: So, so this this how it went down. We were playing Memphis that night. Um, I specifically remember this because uh, Brevin Knight is a good uh, friend of mine, friend of the family. So um, we're out there on the court, and you know it's regular. I can't remember what specific quarter it was to be honest, but it was uh, the referee. The other guy had called a foul on me, and we we're standing pretty much standing in front of the scoreboard. So y'all, y'all can picture. Uh, NBA court people. So we're in front of the scoreboard. The ref called I got the ball in my hand. A ref called the foul on me. So, you know, I bounced the ball to the ref, and you know, he was like, foul 30, da-da-da, holding whatever it was. And way from the other side of the corner came 10. And and he called the uh called the tech. And and I'm looking, I'm looking like like a tech for, for what? I'm like, what what the hell? I said, I know I I do some crazy shit sometimes, but I'm like, man, I just tossed him the ball. He was like, you threw the ball at him. I said, so he gave me a tech boom. So boom, boom, boom. I'm arguing, arguing with him. I got, ended up getting another tech and boom, I got out of there. Okay. So we're on a loading dock now. So I'm out there, you know, I'm talking with brethren. Hey man, you know, how's the wife, man? It's good, man. You know, we out there trying to share pictures and stories. Yeah, I went up to the lake, blah, blah, blah. And... So Tim and the other two referees walk by. So I yells out, yo, I'm going to get my money back from that bullshit too. And he was like, what? I said, you heard me. So he reversed. Boom, he came back. And you know we're right there jawing with each other. I said, look, I said, I know that's some bullshit. I said, because if that man felt as though I threw the ball at him, I'm two feet away. If I really wanted to hit him, I could have smashed him in his face with the ball. If it was like that, I bounced the ball to him. So obviously he didn't think that, I, uh, I threw the ball at him. So, because he didn't call the tech, he just picked the ball up and was about to start playing. And then that's when you called the tech. And then, you know, you coming back and forth, and we just want to add a jaw, and security comes. You know, a couple of players that come out there, they come, they break everything up. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, guys go about their way. But then, you know, I, I got the call. Boom. Probably about maybe a day or two later, I got the call. NBA security. Yeah, she, what happened? I'm like, what y'all asking me for? <laughs> what happened? Like, yeah, you know, we want to know what happened. I said, "Why y'all want to know?" I said, "Y'all already find me. Y'all already suspended me. So y'all already got y'all side of the story. Y'all, I know y'all called him that night. Y'all talked to him that night, or whatever, or the other two rests when it went down. So y'all already got y'all side of the story because that's how y'all do. Y'all don't get both sides and then make a judgment. Y'all already prejudged. You know, got to make it look good. Got to protect our guys. So I'm like, man, boom, hung up. They called back. I hung up again. Then they come out and see me. I said, look, y'all write what y'all want to write. Y'all already got y'all story. Did y'all talk to him? Yes or no? So he was like, uh, well, you know, we can't really reveal that. I said, well, I mean, I know because it's simple procedure, dog. Damn, you can say simple procedure. So I know y'all talked to him already. So y'all go ahead with that shit. I ain't trying to hear it. They find me 1.2 million for seven games. And not only did that hurt the from that nba side Ooh. but it was a couple other small little endorsement deals from that that i had lost because obviously you know in the paper at that time people think i'm a high head didn't want to be connected with my name which was fine so the only one who stuck with me through all that was nike so i mean which was cool I, I had no regrets with it hey business business if that's how you feel then drop it boom but it affected not only me on the court but off of the court also so My thing, I guess, I want to ask you, though, in there, did you think of the ramifications on both sides for the things that you were doing when you were fixing these games, when things were happening? Did you think of the ramifications from not only your side with, okay, if I get caught, you know, and if I'm not mistaken, there's there's some uh, former NBA officials in your bloodline, right?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and so with, with that, were you thinking like, damn. How would this make Unk feel, you know, if, if I got caught with this, boom, boom, boom. Or, you know, it was like, damn, was Unk doing this too when he came in? How can I be a better referee? Do I have to do this? Like, were you thinking of the ramifications from both sides, because it was sure of ramifications on my side. You know, I got Absolutely. my wife looking at me like I'm fucking crazy, and everything. <laughs> I'm like, yo, babe, I'm telling you. I told her, I said, I swear on everything. Everybody thought she was crazy, y'all. Oh. Oh, when I say they cheating and this and that, and I'm getting fined for not saying nothing, I'm getting fined for saying shit, I can't do shit on the court. So that's what made me always say, cats make that shit too obvious. Did you right. think of the ramifications? Obviously not. And, and you know, I'm not
2: here to tell you that, uh, you know, that story that you just told was 100% accurate. Uh, I'll give you a little bit, very accurate, but I'll give you my version. Just, to, uh you know, when right. Scott Wall made that call, and, and turned his back to report that, I personally felt like you threw the ball, not hard at him, but you threw the ball at him, and it hit him in the back. So I felt like you tried to show him up. And, of course, I gave you the technical foul, which in my mind I felt like it was deserved. Um, and then you came at me, and, you know, mm-hmm. I gave you a technical and threw you out. A- afterwards, you know, we're in the loading dock, and uh, you said something to me. I shouldn't have said anything back to you, and I did. I told them that I did that, and I was 100% wrong. You now, what they did you know after the fact, really, I had no control over. And when, yeah, you say, when you say I fix games, I wasn't out there fixing games in the sense that I was putting Sheed or Bonzi or or Kobe Bryant to the bench so that certain teams won bets. That's not what I was doing. What I was doing was um, when we were be in morning meetings at, say, 11 a.m., mm-hmm. and we'd go over Portland versus the Lakers, and they'd say, listen, this is what I want you to concentrate on tonight. I want you to, uh, you know, watch Sheed in the post. He's pushing, he's holding, he's shoving. Or Bonds, he's walking with the ball before he makes his move. You know, when they told us to concentrate on certain things against certain teams, I knew that they were going to be put at advantages and disadvantages. And with that said, I knew the line was off by four, or five, sometimes six points. I was passing that information off the people and they were betting millions of dollars on those games so you don't think that's fixing i I do do, (laughs) absolutely okay but i think it's really doing what the nba wanted me to do with my job so am i out there doing something different than the other refs are doing or or what um uh the league wants us to do no and i was one of the highest graded referees in the league at the time so i was just doing what they wanted me to do what i was doing that was wrong was passing that inside information along to people that I shouldn't have been. But really, what I was upset about was the league didn't accept their responsibility in the whole thing. And when it came time during the playoffs, it was tenfold what they wanted you to call and, and look for because they wanted those playoff series to go from 2-0 to 2-2 or 3-1 to you know 3-3. They wanted those games to go six and seven games, if at all possible. So, you know, was I wrong? Gee, 100% I'm wrong. I'll be the first one to apologize to you. I think I apologized to you the last time we did a show together in North Carolina. So, you know, for that, you know, uh, I can't apologize enough, not only to you, but to, to every other player that was in the NBA at the time that, you know, this affected. And, uh, you know, if I could turn back time, I'd be the first guy to do it. But we, we know, unfortunately, I can't.
1: So, yeah, you no. Know. Well, you know, Tim, you know, we really respect that, man, that you could, you know, even say that it takes a lot of man to really look somebody in the eye and tell them that he's sorry and he apologized for his wrong. So that's what's up, man. So, but as listening to your story, you know, like you was talking about those 11 o'clock eleven o'clock meetings. So basically, you guys were targeting certain players. And talk, let's let's talk about some of the referees that, like, like Rashid said, your bloodline referees, some of your older referees, your vets were they known to target certain players or have some type of beef with players or relationships with players coming into the game that made you may or not think, may think like, Hey, uh, this person has a problem with this guy. I don't care what the spread is. They're going to lose tonight. Were 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 there referees out there that were known for targeting
2: Absolutely. I mean, you look back and I really don't like to throw out a lot of names. My family was affected by this, so I really don't want to affect other people's families. But I'll give you an example of a guy who's retired, Mike Mathis. And you guys probably know this story. had the biggest problem with um, Charles Barkley. And he felt that Charles dislodged people uh, in the post when he had the ball to to create space to to get off a jump shot or, or get to the basket. So, you know, anytime something like that took place, you know, you knew uh, whatever team he was playing for at the time was at a disadvantage and he was at a disadvantage. And, you know, nobody knew Mathis had those games uh, until right before the game. Now that whole situation has changed to where the the referees are announced in the morning. But, uh, you know, there were certainly a lot of relationships that I knew of uh, that that affected uh, the, the game and the situation. And, and put teams at advantages or disadvantage. And, you know, I'll give you another example. I was uh, in L.A. one time, and in the morning meeting, uh, one of the league officials came in and said that Phil Jackson just sent a DVD in uh, (laughs) to the league office of Kobe Bryant going to the basket and getting fouled about 25 times and uh, the referees not making the call. Mm -hmm. Well, I knew after that meeting with my crew that that – Kobe was going to go to the line probably 20 times and the Lakers were going to win by 15. And not only was it going to happen, the game that I was fishing that night, but probably the next three or four games uh, because that guy was staying there and was going to prep the the next set of referees coming in. So there was information like that that I was using that allowed me to pick these games at 80
0: percent correct. Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> so, so with that, like, like for me, what was hard for me to understand or, or to see, like, what brings that personal hate? Like, like why, why, like we all know it was the beef with AI and Javi. Like, what brought that hate on? Like, I know it was somehow, some way, with you guys referring for so long, he had to tell you something about why he hates AI. Like, what brings the hate on? Why do y'all come to? Well, I shouldn't say y'all because you're not a referee now. My apologies. But why did then referees came to? The games either with attitudes or that's so much hate or dislike either for a coach or a player at that time. Why not just call the game fair? You know, I think uh, it just builds up to a point. I,
2: I think uh, you know, uh, AI and Javi, no doubt, they they butted heads, and I think there was a situation where AI threatened his family, and his his wife was scared, and you know all this you know stuff that went on. I, I think you know, let's use you and I as an example. I think, you know, just over time, every time I had you, uh, we butted heads and it just, Mm -hmm. you know, kept getting worse and worse and worse. And you were stubborn. I was stubborn. Neither of us would give in. And it became, uh, you know, a situation where every time I walked out on the floor, if I had an opportunity to stick it to you, you know, I did. (laughs) But but here's
0: here's my thing, though. From the beginning, you didn't know me. I didn't know you when I first came into the league and all that. But what brought that on? Was it? Because of what other officials were saying, or was it the mandates being passed down from the office? Because at that time, I didn't have no no reputation here in the NBA from my rookie season. My rookie season, I started getting texts, shit, for no damn reason. Right.
1: <laughs>
2: I think it comes down to, at the time, Ed T. Rush when I was coming up, was the supervisor of officials. He was a Philadelphia guy, no-nonsense guy, liked to give technical fouls out very quickly, like Joey Crawford. They Mm -hmm. were the guys that, you know, tutored me, and he was the supervisor of officials. And he said, don't take shit from any of these guys. So he's the boss. You know, he's rating you. He has the ability to advance you in the playoffs and make, you know, uh, much extra money. So if he wants me to go out – and, you know, be a hard ass and, and stick it to a guy like Rashid Wallace because he feels like he's disrespecting the game, I'm going to go out and do it. So, so you officiate off of other people's opinions. Right, because he's is my what boss. what like. Absolutely, because yes. he's my boss, and he's rating me. He has the ability to move me up in the playoffs, make me, uh, you know, a second, third, fourth-round referee, get me to the NBA Finals, make an extra $100,000 a year. Absolutely, that's exactly what happened.
1: So you're basically willing to do whatever it took to get that bonus or, or, or become a top-tier referee. Absolutely. Basically. I wanted
2: to ingratiate myself with the boss and, and have him say, we can put him on any game. And, yeah. you know, a lot of things you guys may not realize is that, let's say uh, there's a, a game seven and, and Portland's involved and, you know, <laughs> you guys are out there. They They want to put three referees on the floor in a sense – that Bonzi Wells, Scottie Pippen, especially Rashid Wallace are going to walk out on that floor and say, we better keep our mouths shut, not fuck with these guys tonight. And that's what's going to, you know, make it look good for TV. The league doesn't want people thrown out of games and and stars like Rashid thrown out in the first quarter. People pay a lot of money to come to these games and sit courtside. So their feeling is, is, you know, we'll put three guys that, you know, for the whole year – uh, stuck it to these guys, and and they're not going to mess with them in this pivotal situation.
1: Well, you you know, it's I, funny I already you knew that though. Well, you <laughs> know, it's funny you said that. You know, Tim, we was we was just talking about let's focus on that game seven, and we was we always talk about our game seven two thousand series when we were with the Lakers, we were up uh, thirteen going into the fourth quarter, and just how things changed, and we always look back on that referee and crew, and that referee and crew was Steve Jabby, Dick Bavetta, and Hugh Evans. And as we look back, you know, we read your book and, you know, you called some of the referees company men. Were those three guys, would you be considered company men that you knew would possibly be sticking to us at any given time during that game to make sure that some of the bigger market teams will win like the Los Angeles Lakers or the bigger stars will win?
2: Absolutely. Dick Bavetta, who I refereed countless games with, him and I were joined at the hip. Yeah. He flat out told me he was the NBA's go-to guy. He was put on Game Sixes to make sure they went to Game Sevens, uh, and unfortunately for you guys, you guys were put at the you know pivotal end of that. Or he would say, you know, listen, I- I'm no fool. I remember when David Stern said on national TV the best matchup in the NBA Finals was the Lakers versus the Lakers. So you think uh, you know global attention is going to be on the Portland Trailblazers or the Los Angeles Lakers? So he, he was the NBA, you know, he, he thought he was the, he was the you know, judge, the jury, and everything, oh. and, you know, unfortunately, you guys were at the end of that, and I, I'll say this, you, I felt like you guys deserved the ring. I wrote that in the book, the Sacramento Kings in 2002. I thought they were the best team. I thought they deserved the ring, and you go back to Miami and, and Dallas when, uh, oh. you know, that oh. whole situation, uh, you know, they hated Mark Cuban. To the that was crazy. You know they would they would have done anything at the time to to hopefully try and get rid of him somehow.
0: Yeah, that's man. That's 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 the crazy thing about all, all of that shit. It's it's just so much hate. That's that's not even necessary. It's just a simple game of basketball that we all grew up on as little kids. You know, it's, Ed, it's, Ed it's all about Rush- money to me.
2: Right, Ed T. Rushi was the supervisor of officials, as I said before, mm-hmm. and uh he hated Mark Cuban because Mark Cuban. Was the guy that wanted change? He saw all this before everybody else saw it, and and said, "Listen, this needs to stop." Okay, uh-huh. and he was adamant with bombarding the league office with emails and and wanting the referees to be held accountable, and created a lot more work for the officials and and the league office. And you know, Ed T. Rush started to hate him, and he and he would tell you know uh, you know different referees that. You know, if, if there's an opportunity to stick it to them, stick it to them. And, and guys were out there and they were doing it.
1: Yeah. Well, well, you know, Tim, I'm gonna keep it real with you. And you know, like when you went through your scandal, um, we never, I never, and I know a lot of people never believe you were by yourself. And we just always kind of just saw a trend. Like when you went through your stuff, we slowly but surely start seeing a few key refs falling off the wayside, but they still kind of had key roles within the uh, within the um, the Westman, the ESPN, the, ESPN they can do all these different stuff within the. They, they keep a check, basically, within the referees. But we always. Why, thought, Bomby, why do you think that is? I mean, I, and that's what we always thought. We never could prove it. But were those some unofficial company men that maybe could have got found out that they tried to ground? So basically, we wouldn't go inquiring to them on. on Absolutely. Court.
2: Absolutely. You look at the
1: history of hiring these veteran
2: referees after the fact and all behind the scenes getting these jobs, making a hundred grand for basically doing nothing. Uh and that was to protect the whole uh you know scandal. Phil yeah. Scala, who was the mm-hmm. um, yeah. supervisory special agent, you know, recently came out and said, you know, there were a lot of things that the NBA did that, you know, was not on the up and up. And he may not want to uh you know admit this, but you know, there were seven or eight other referees and people within the league office that they wanted to indict it, and it got swept under the rug at the highest wow. level of government.
0: Wow. There was uh, congressional wow. hearings that wow. they wanted
2: to have, and it got stopped at the highest level of government.
0: Yeah, that money was involved somewhere. That's what it's all about right. at the end of the day.
2: Right. You look at Enron just collapsing not too far before that, and the last thing they wanted uh, was the NBA being exposed
0: to be, you know, something like the, you know, pro wrestling. So, so, so would you say, would you say back then, and I can't talk about it now because I'm not involved with the NBA now, you know, I'm not playing or even really watch too many games for that, for that matter. You know, I focus more on high school ball now, but so back then, would you say that a majority of refs got these emails about not, not only myself, but AI, Chauncey, uh, shit, Steve, Steve Jack, you know, with with getting these, having these different games, y'all in these different games. Was it emails or or mandates handed down to y'all? Like, look, y'all Never make sure. Never anything in writing,
2: you know. Always just you know in morning meetings, you know. Listen, these guys step out of line, do it. Or a guy like Jabby, you know, he was the top guy. He could do whatever he wanted to do, and they were always mm-hmm. going to have him reffing, You know, game sixes and seven in the NBA the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about this thing being shut down at the highest level. This is how it was shut down. When you think about this it 's going to blow your mind. The guy who ran the Eastern District of new york, okay uh the head United States attorney, his name was Greg Andres. You never saw him during this whole thing. He had other people below him that were out being the puppets to the whole thing. okay mm-hmm. After the scandal, within a year, okay. He stopped working for the um, Eastern District of New York. Mm -hmm. He went into a private practice and handled all the outside legal counsel for the NBA. (laughs) Within a year. Now, you tell me behind the scenes that wasn't being done. Not only that, David Stern offered Phil Scala, who was the supervisory special agent for the FBI, a job before the whole thing was even over because he wanted to have him you know, under his his thumb. He was hoping I went to jail for 10 years and was never able to talk. I told
0: y'all, and everybody think I'm fucking crazy with the things that I was saying about Stern and all of that. Everybody thinks she's so crazy and military. I told y'all, vindication yeah. feels
1: so fucking great. <laughs> you are crazy she. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes I am. But you know but but, but that's I, I mean but you know we really respect you saying that again man because that's something we always wanted to hear man and and you know but it was heartbreaking too man because Tim you don't really understand how hard we worked to get to our level and how much we wanted those rings and how much shit that we've taken over these fucking years bro You know what though rings. I I
2: think at the at the time you're 100% right but now as I play everything back I I talk to guys like yourself I talk the sheet. I, I, I've i seen other players in person. You know, I get it. And, and trust me when I tell you, if I could turn back the, the hands of time, I would do it and, and I can't continue to apologize enough. But with that being said, you know, the most disappointing thing is, is not, you know, only what I did, but the fact that the NBA tried to sweep it all under the rug and not come out and, and say, you know, we we made a lot of mistakes in the way we handled a lot of things and we're making massive, massive changes. They never really came out and said that behind the scenes. They did make some changes, but I still think the same stuff's going on when a when a series is 3-0 or 2-0. There's yeah. too much money involved. So they don't tell the referees to go out and fix a game or they just go out and say, Listen, this is what we want you to look for. Bonzi's walking just in the sure. post as soon as he makes that move. Yeah. Call it. You know, there's there's just different ways. The program and train a referee and, and that's going to put a team at an advantage or a disadvantage and it's always for that team you know that's down in
0: the series yeah. so how how many how many good refs back back and, I'm, and when i'm talking about refs, i'm speaking and mentioning up back then when uh i was playing and you were refing. um so how many good refs and when i say good guys who weren't down with that program as far as you know the little friendly wagers or, you know, making sure that this game is fixed or that game or whatever, how many good reps would you say was in the league then? Sheet, again, you have to look at it from the perspective of you're an official.
2: You have a job. Your boss is telling you this is what we want you to do. Mm -hmm. Okay? You want to advance in the playoffs and make more money. You want to keep your job for for (laughs) that back, right? So everybody's on board. You're doing what they're telling you to do. So it was, you know, I want to be successful. I want to move up the ladder. I want my boss to say, you know what? I want Dunnaghy on any game that I need because, you know, he's, he's one of the best in the league. So everybody was on board.
0: So what's, what's your GP now? What's your game plan now? Are you, are you going after the league about anything? Um, you know, or- one, of the, one of the
2: most disheartening things is, you know, they took my pension. I have four daughters. Uh, and, and they took my pension from me, which which was very hard I, I'm lucky mm-hmm. I was uh, able to somewhat recover, but as we talked about earlier, you know I, I had a great uh, set of people that stood by me, so i'm fortunate, and if it wasn't for that, you know I'd be homeless somewhere to be honest with you that's how bad they They stuck it to me and screwed me over when it came to the point that you know I was the one lone wolf. I was the only guy that did this. It was bullshit. Did I do something wrong? Absolutely. I shouldn't have shared any information that I had, but the information shouldn't have been there to share.
1: Yeah. and That's crazy. And, you know, Tim, you seem like a real cool down-to-earth dude, man. And I know you probably was really friendly with some of your colleagues, but you can't tell me when you were hitting these licks with these bets that you didn't at least tell one person on the referee and staff that you was tight with and, we, and as we read your book and we heard some other stuff, we knew that you and Scott Foster was really, really cool, and that was your man's. You can't tell me, and I know this ain't snitching, but if Scott Foster is your man, you can't tell me he didn't get no type of benefit during this whole process.
2: Bonzi, I, 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 honestly, I have not lied to you tonight. Yeah. Uh, I didn't lie one time in the book. If you read the book, Phil Scholar, who was the supervisor special agent, wrote the forward. said, I told the truth at every turn. Yeah. I can just tell you what I did. I can't tell you or speak for what Scott Foster did, but I can tell you that I do not know that he did what I did, which was pass the information along and bet on games. He loved to gamble, as did a lot of us. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, a lot of people had a lot of buddies who liked to gamble. So, uh-huh. you know, did he relay some information to
0: people? You know, that, that's a question for Scott Foster. Yeah, cause, damn, yeah, boy, y'all were some badass gamblers, though.
1: Shit. Yeah. Well, well, I, I'm, I'm gambling, mean, chief. But, but you know, I mentioned I mentioned Scott because you know, do you remember the controversy early in the year with him and Chris Paul, you know, going back and forth, and, I, and Scott allegedly came up to Chris and and, and mentioned about a 2008 uh, game in the playoffs, Game Seven, when the New Orleans Hornets were playing the uh, San Antonio Spurs, and I was actually on that team. It was my actually my last NBA game. It was Game Seven, and Chris Paul fouled out and we were killing San Antonio. We were actually supposed to win that series and they fouled Chris Paul out and you know sh- short story short come up to 2020 he came up to him and again and was like, "Hey, I was the guy that fouled you out in game 7 back then." And Chris Paul thought that was very weird and they obviously as you know they went on to lose the game, but was that coincidence or I mean like Let me let me just <laughs> tell you something. For for whatever reason
2: with the NBA, they create monsters whether it's you know, Joe Crawford, who, you know, literally could do whatever he wanted to do in these games and, and always was, you know, their top guy. Steve Javis, uh, you know, he could do whatever he wanted to do in these games and, and was always their top guy. And Scott Foster, I mean, they created monsters in a lot of these guys. And, and I'm here to tell you that they were not the best referees on the staff when it came time to you looking at, at film and saying, are these guys getting the calls right in uh, every night? No, they, they weren't. But for some reason, they were the, the guy that the league office, you know, said could do whatever they want in these games. I mean, you look at Joe Crawford, some of that stuff that he did on the floor, Tim <laughs> Duncan or, you know, things that he did off crazy. the floor, uh, you know, crazy. And, and to think he was their top guy for, for 25 years, you know, Jabby, top guy for 25 years. Foster right now, it seems like he can, he can do anything he wants to do and he's still going to go out there and be a guy that's going to referee in the NBA Finals, referee Game 7s. And, you know, you look at the his playoff um, officiating this year. I, he missed more call, calls in, in the playoffs than anyone I've seen in years and and a lot of mistakes for me, but yet he's still the guy that's getting all the games.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. You told a story, a funny story in your book about Dick Lovetta. Either he had someone on payroll – or something that could basically write down everything a national televised game announcer would say about him to relay it to him. Cause he has such an ego and he just wanted to hear his name and right. basically come across, you know, the, the, the TV screen.
2: Yeah. He, he was funny. He loved when the, you know, people mentioned, you know, Dick Bavetta, he felt like he was part of the show. So he had this woman who, uh, you know, uh, was one of his side chicks, and imagine Dick Bavetta getting side-ass. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so you know he, he was he was writing down. She was writing down all this stuff. She called him two o'clock in the morning and said, "Go to this time." You know, if you're you're playing the tape back, this is what they said. Listen to it. You know, just just crazy stuff. So uh, you know, uh, you know, Dick Bavetta, believe it or not, he was like a, he was like an icon. People loved them
1: yeah. because
2: he was one of those guys that was. Uh, you know, on on TV
0: and got a lot of attention. Damn, it's just it's just hard for me to swallow, though. Uh, you know, I, I think about it, and like I said, I'm I'm over it because we 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 all are so far in a, in a different place in our life. But just overall, like, damn, they fucking shit up for sixty dollars, eighty dollars, or dinner, or you know, yeah. a first round of drinks or something. And because those little things, man, cost cost some cats contracts. Um, you know, other teams were might have been interested, but then he gets so many technicals or this or that. You know, I was just thankful that I had players for the most part vouch for me yeah. because, um, you know, throughout the league, it was it was portrayed that, you know, I'm a hothead. I'm the asshole. This and that. And I again, I'll admit sometimes I was. Sometimes I was. It was mainly early in my career and specifically. I would I would say I deserved that that one year I, I got the record I deserved about eighty five percent ninety percent of those texts that I do and I will say that because I was going through something in my personal life at that time and it was affecting me I had a short fuse with everything but that 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 Lakers series that's another one um, even though I felt as though some some shady shit was going down I still can't put that on on y'all because. We missed 13 straight shots. And out of the 13 straight shots, I missed about eight of them, John.
1: So <laughs>
0: for, for that Laker game, for that series, I can't I can't even put that on y'all. We still should have won that game. But, but that's the game you got thrown was-
2: out for for staring at Garrison. Who gets thrown yeah, out of the uh, game for staring at somebody? Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, you know, and, and, and his that's father that's made
0: it the same thing.
2: Right, his father was the boss, one of the bosses. So he was another guy that could do whatever he wanted to do. Was still going to go through the, you know, um, the league and, and be a, a finals referee. You look back at Delaney and Ted Bernhardt refereed that famous Game Six with the Lakers in Sacramento Conference Finals. Right, worst mm-hmm. officiated game in the history of basketball, and because they really did what the league wanted was to get that Game Seven. They yeah. move on and referee in the NBA Finals and get that bonus. Talk to me about any other job in the history of America where you can perform at that level and screw up and get a bonus. Do you think <laughs> no, that we're, they would have been done. Over. That's it. You're, you're, you're done. You're, you're in the NCAA tournament. You're a referee and you have a bad game. You're done. Yeah. yeah. Not the NBA.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Tim, you know, um, to piggyback on Rashi's point, man, you know, for us, you know, the other side of the coin, like we mentioned earlier, you know, it really killed our reputations and it kind of messed with us mentally because for us, when you hear so much negative stuff about you, you start to believe it. And I thought we were crazy and wild and did wild stuff, but to hear you kind of Tell us that it wasn't just always us, and you guys played a part in it. It Makes it it makes us feel a lot better because I, you know, I used to have to question myself, and I know Rashid probably questioned himself too, and countless other guys who probably. No, I
0: didn't. I knew I wasn't crazy. I I knew I I saw (laughs) out that moment. I knew (laughs) what I
1: saw. Yeah, for sure. But I know myself because I, you know, me and Rashid talk about this. My career didn't wasn't wasn't as lucky as Rashid. Rashid was able to recover and go to a place like Detroit when they gave him a chance, a second chance. You know, countless other guys got second chances, but. Kind of reclaim their name and kind of ch- change people's perception, and that was hard. But I really appreciate you coming on here and kind of setting the record straight, man. Because we hated your motherfucking ass for a long time, and you was on our fuck you up on site list, <laughs> like, right. like, y'all. Right. Like, that's like, and that's we the thing up. that,
0: that, that <laughs> I think that's the thing that doesn't, you know, uh uh comprehend with y'all because from something like that, like y'all don't realize yo how how many times that not only myself but other players in the league kept people off of y'all ass yeah. because we knew where y'all hotel was at too. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? All of this is a phone All it is is a phone call. Man, you no. know what I'm saying? We know where y'all eat at too, hang out at too. Yeah. You know, so it was so many times that, be, man, when I see him, man, I'm going to whoop it. No, nah, it ain't, even, it ain't man, that serious. Yeah. You know what I mean? It ain't that serious. It's a game. We at work. It ain't that serious. Now you're talking about cats livelihoods when you, you know, talking about hurting them off of the court for some on the court stuff. So I'm like, nah, it ain't that serious. But man, oh man, y'all, lot, especially <laughs> in
1: Detroit, <laughs> my goodness, lots <laughs> my of people goodness. on y'all ass, bro. Yeah, man. But so, so Tim, man, like I said, we appreciate you coming on. But tell us what's next for you, man. Tell us what's going on next. You know, you told us you're doing real estate. We know you jumped into the pod game. What, what's next for you?
2: You know, I think it's just to, uh, continue to stick with the real estate, uh, do a little bit of radio, you know, be the best father that I could possibly be. And, uh, continue to put one, uh, you know, foot in front of the other and, and try to make better decisions each and every day.
0: Yeah. 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 That's what it's all about, man. Same thing. And, you know, just trying to teach, teach the kids to, to do the right thing. And, and absolutely. I mean,
2: you guys are both high school coaches. I, I,
0: I, you know, try to get out and do some, uh,
2: You know public speaking and and uh you know speak to some colleges and and even at the high school level and and try to let these kids know how important choices are in life because you know when you screw up not only does it affect you but more importantly you know those people that you love the most not your family yeah
0: have have you thought about maybe going to um maybe some high schools or colleges or whatever and you know i guess uh doing talks with them, showing them different keys and different things that referees might look for on that collegiate level or that NBA level, just to share, you know, share your knowledge because you've been refereeing for a long time. So obviously you have knowledge. So to be able to share the the right things, the right tools with the guys who are out there performing to try to make them better players. you You ever think of doing any you know, uh, I guess community involvement, things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely.
2: And I would love to do that. Uh, you know, unfortunately at the, at the NCA level or at the NBA level, you know, nobody wants to touch me or my name because, you know, they, they want the whole thing to be done swept under the rug. But, you know, at the high school level, I would be more than glad to do it. And I, I wouldn't even, you know, want any money for doing it because I think yeah. that it would be, uh, you know, a good thing for me to do a good thing for me to, uh, be involved in doing some community service. I do a lot of stuff here in regard to that. So, uh, you know, I'd be more than willing if somebody wanted me to come to their high school or or uh, speak to their kids or their team, I, I'd be certainly more than willing to do it.
1: Yeah, and that, that's what's up, man. That's that, You're going to be blessed for that, man. And, and, and I know how, like, this podcast for me and Rashid has been a blessing, you know, because we've been able to get stuff out. We've been able to talk about stuff that's been on our, our mind for years. And with you and whistleblowers, how did that feel to be able to just let it all out and just kind of just speak your truth and let it out to the world?
2: No, it felt good. And, and, you know, I, I've been speaking the truth for, for 10 years now. And for some reason it was on deaf ears, but now with the supervisory special agent coming out and and basically, you know, saying that the NBA did a lot of things that uh, they shouldn't have been doing. uh, I don't want to say it vindicated me because I was a part of it. Yeah. And uh, you know, like you guys said, uh it affected a lot of people. And yeah. I think it would have been mm-hmm. uh, you know, able to heal a lot better if the NBA would have come out and said, you know, yeah, we, we were we were also wrong. But but they didn't for whatever reason because they had to protect uh the big business aspect and the and the global attention of, of the NBA. And uh, you know, they were able to recover from it. And uh, you know, fortunately for me, I, I was too. So uh, you know, I just wish that they would have accepted a little bit more responsibility uh, in what they
0: did. Shit, he took it to the grave, Woody. Yes, he <laughs> did. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Donahue. Yes, sir.